One hardly needs an excuse to discuss the work of Nick Cave and Warren Ellis, but it's always nice to have one anyway. Australian director David Mishur has employed the services of the ever-reliable duo on his new movie War Machine, which stars Brad Pitt and is available to watch exclusively on Netflix. As you'd hope, their score is a rather wonderful thing, with the title track playing now providing a fair indication of its tone. I'm Edith Bowman and you're listening to Soundtracking, a weekly podcast about the sounds of the silver screen. David announced himself to the world with Animal Kingdom, a brutal and brilliant saga about a Melbourne crime family. He went on to make a western in the shape of the rover. Both films were scored by Anthony Partos, of which more shortly. But we start with Nick, Warren and War Machine and the way in which they and David sought to sonically capture the unusual narrative. David, welcome to Soundtracking. Thank um, you very much. We'll start talking about War Machine, but so much to talk to you about. I, I, I'm a big fan of, of what you do. Oh, uh, I really am. But War Machine, I just thought was so clever. Music-wise, from the off, you're hit straight away. You hear it before you even see anything, I think, if I remember. There's this yeah. music comes straight in. Deciding on that piece of music that is the doorway to your film. Is that an easy thing to decide? Because you're really setting the tone, aren't you, with something that you hear before you see something? Yeah. I mean, that first piece of music in the movie is uh, Nick Cave, Warren Ellis. The movie is tonally strange. It exists in this kind of schizophrenic space yeah. of being both goofball absurd and yet horrifying at yeah. the same time. You're never going to be able to properly communicate those two things in a tiny little piece of music before you've seen anything, but yeah. I wanted it to let you know that you were entering a twilight zone. In some ways, the music in War Machine is as nuts as the rest of the movie is, not just in terms of the different kinds of music that are in it, but also the stuff that Nick and Warren did specifically. I mean, it's... <laughs> deep into the, the pieces that they composed for the thing and I, you know, I was fortunate, it was like an extraordinary experience for me to get to go to Brighton and over a number of weeks, a yeah. few different visits and watch the music evolve wow. before my very eyes. Thank you. 
having that feeling of exhilaration watching it evolve because I was watching it fit the movie perfectly. Like there were times there where it made no sense, you know. I love watching those guys work. There'll be moments where they're having arguments about like what its time signature is. <laughs> they can't they can't agree on what it's you know or what key it's in. So it's that eclectic nature of the music and the thing that I that I really love. Obviously, there's the score that Nick and Warren have composed, but there's also a kind of running thread of music by a guy named Redelius, you know, that's all, that has that late 70s German electronic thing. That When I was writing the film, it started to form the flavour of the movie for me, and it was in part because it's so gloriously strange. Yeah. because it has those echoes of that kind of Herzog, Agira, Pop of the sound that then found its way into Apocalypse Now. Yeah. I love the idea of it then or somehow, or, you know, these decades later finding its way into War Machine but in a kind of batshit crazy way. <laughs> yeah. It's wonderful when you can use music in, in that way to be a partner in crime with the tone of a film. Yeah. You know, I like I tend, I generally, especially, I mean, especially with the movies, I write what I direct and I direct what I've written, and yeah. in part because they are for me all parts of the same process. Like writing is the first stage in the directing process, and directing is just the next stage in the writing. And in some ways, it's important for me to write what I direct because. It's in that part of the process that the musical ideas form. I'll be there on my computer and in my iTunes, I'll have a playlist that's just growing as I'm writing. And I could go back and look at the playlist for War Machine and there'll be hundreds of pieces of music in there and 90% of them bear no resemblance to what's actually in the movie. I just start to find the movie's voice. It's almost as if music is the most important component 
of working out what the movie feels like. Yeah. And so on that level, it was like I, I knew from really early on that this movie was going to be kind of insane <laughs> because I just knew the music was the music. The music made no sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How is this movie going to make sense? The weirdest compilation album in the world ever. Yeah. <laughs> songs you're going to put on that playlist is it a case of are you seeking things out or are you hearing something on the radio or someone mentions something to you or are you proactively seeking out things to suit characters or themes no I listen to music a lot I don't listen to it while I'm writing but around the writing I listen to music I just love it and I listen to it all the time and I'm just constantly diving down iTunes rabbit holes you yeah. know it's like listeners also bought and then next thing you know I've been doing this for seven hours <laughs> yeah. you know and, it's um, like a maze isn't it and it's fun do you listen to soundtracks at all yeah since doing this podcast it's it's something that I've I explore more and more and I love nothing more than buying an album soundtrack on vinyl and having it at home and you could commit to that you know turning the record over halfway through and that kind of thing as well and it's really underappreciated the fact that I'm a filmmaker has informed my musical tastes, you know, and sometimes I'm very aware, my friends make me very aware of the fact that I have so much music in my collection on Random Shuffle that's virtually unlistenable, you know. <laughs> well, if I weren't constantly thinking about it in its relationship to characters and situations and scenes and blah, 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 but it's also given me a way into the world of music that I just find extraordinary, that I just suddenly appreciate the extraordinary work of avant-garde musicians. And, yeah. And the way that manifests in soundtrack, in film scores, it's kind of unique, mm. you know. You're setting very specific parameters for a composer or a musician to work within, you know, and so often really interesting things happen when you do that. Yeah.
the opposite of how they normally work, especially someone like Nick and Warren, I imagine as well. You know, they go here, there, and everywhere, but to have those kind of, you know, almost like the walls of a room set around them as to what they have to fit in between yeah. is wonderful to see. I, I love what they've done with the various soundtracks they've worked on already. I think was it just a case of you sending them the script? We have a few mutual friends. I hadn't met them, but one of my friends is uh, Andrew Dominic, who yeah. You know, worked with them a few times yeah and, uh, Jesse James Jesse James yeah. which is so extraordinary and you know so it wasn't hard to get it in front of them I had actually asked them to do the score for Animal Kingdom wow but they couldn't they were on that I, would be an interesting concept wouldn't it if you gave them the film now and yeah. then asked them to do their interpretation of what they would do musically for a film you know that's been around what, seven years ago since Animal Kingdom seven yeah yeah be an interesting project wouldn't it it would if I just let them loose. But one of the beautiful things about working with them, I discovered, was how how organic the composition is. sketches or yeah. pre-existing things and then I go to Brighton and we just refine it a little bit. Warren has probably done a few loops, you know, it's like fooling around at home, but it pretty much feels like you walk into the studio and then you go, okay, so I guess we should start, all right? You know, and you, and you and you you watch it, and you watch it evolve from the ground up. The beauty of doing that is that it means that you're not kind of getting their fully preconceived sense of what the movie is. They're having those parameters set for them from the very beginning, mm-hmm. and um, and the beautiful thing about it is that. This is true, certainly, of a War Machine score, but it ends up in a place that doesn't sound like anything they've done before. And I think that's exciting for them, too. Yeah. You know, that they can then get to the end of this crazy period of just invention and then take a step back and listen to it and go, wow, that doesn't sound like us. They are like mad professors, aren't they? Yeah. I love it. <laughs> I know.
point of the filmmaking process were you visiting Brighton and watching this magic unfold? We'd already started editing. You know, I cut the movie for about four months in Australia when I finished shooting and then brought it over to London and kept cutting for another, I don't know, I felt like I've been cutting this movie for 15 years. But, <laughs> uh, but that was um, very early after I arrived in London. I went that just went there yeah. and just started. And then I probably went back there about five times. Went down that first time, spent five days. I mean, just literally watching those guys build music from thin air. <laughs> Taking that back to London, cutting with it, feeling it, going back and going, okay, here's what's absolutely working. Mm-hmm. Here's what just needs something else. Here's what doesn't work for some reason or other. Yeah. There was very little of that, actually. There was very little music that those guys composed that didn't find its way into the movie in some way or Can we talk a little bit about the music in Animal Kingdom and Rover as well? You worked on both those films with Anthony Partos, Partos yeah. the composer on that. I mean, with Animal Kingdom, you talked earlier as well about the idea that the music, if you're writing and directing a project, it's there, it's the seed of almost anything. Is it easy deciding when to have music and when not to have music? Because that film in particular has so much breath to it. No, I don't know. It's so strange because I work out my, you know, I start building these playlists and working out the music and all that kind of stuff and I start doing it early on, but I'm almost always getting it wrong. So often the early versions of that playlist will have stuff in it that's just so overblown or so self-important. try those things I mean not the very very earliest ideas that I even I know that ridiculous you know by the time I'm shooting I'll know I'll go okay so this song will be playing here and blah 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 it's almost without fail I get in the edit throw it away and something else happens very rarely do I find myself seeing a musical idea that I've had from the writing stage travel all the way untouched (laughs) to the finished thing so it's just all about feeling the rhythms of the scenes and then the way the scenes sit in the thing as a whole and then where music needs to be mm. and what music in particular should be. Yeah.
like working with Anthony? What was that relationship on those two projects like? It was really wonderful. You know, it's like Anthony's not only incredibly talented and experienced, because he has worked predominantly doing music for film and television, he's used to working with directors. For me, on my first movie, it was really important that I feel free to express myself. Sometimes I've heard stories of friends who are filmmakers who've worked with composers who are first and foremost songwriters or musicians who do their own thing, who struggle to adapt to being directed. And I just felt lucky that, you know, Anthony was producing all this glorious music and yet was also very open to me micromanaging. Poses is that you, you start fumbling around with their language that you can't speak properly. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and Anthony was very tolerant of, you know, my fumbling around. Limited musical vocabulary. Again, it goes back to that thing you were saying about it's about feeling, it's about emotion, about things feeling right rather than sounding right, really, as well. Yeah. And then, you know, I think the thing that freed me up more than anything in talking to first Anthony on the first two movies and Sam Petty, too, my sound designer, who's always composing things in yeah. and around. And, uh, I thought your shorts. Sam and he did my shorts yeah. and he was on War Machine again. You know, was was coming to realise that I should just be—I shouldn't be trying to use polysyllabic kind of Italian words and <laughs> to to say what I want. Yeah. I should be talking the same way I would talk to the actors or to the designers or the cinematographer or whatever, just about what the thing actually means. You know, what what is this scene actually about? Yeah. And then let them find their way through.
Does the genre of a film come into a conversation that you're having with your composer, be it Nick and Warren or Anthony, in terms of like the Rover, for example? You know, the kind of the, the setting of that. Did that come into the discussions that you had about what you wanted the music to sound like? Kind of. I mean, the Animal Kingdom and the Rover, even though Anthony scored both they were quite different processes and at the first in Animal Kingdom I knew I wanted a score yeah. you know and I wanted it to be built in a quite you know an austere sort of you know potentially uh, overblown way but that was that was his guiding principle I wanted a score and I wanted it to feel great Was kind of a little bit different, in that even though I've just, I said before that I have all these ideas that never see their way through to the end. I think that I probably did have kind of a few that did see their way through <laughs> in the Rover. That was I wanted music that felt, you know, given this its setting in a dystopian future and everything. I wanted music that felt strange, that felt like it was made with traditional instruments but just felt uncanny or felt unfamiliar felt like it was falling apart so you get all that great celsi music and the william basinski and the colin stetson stuff you know there's a lot of that became aware that there were spots in the movie where I just needed I needed something else something that's that's doing traditional score work rather mm -hmm. than just weird work <laughs> and that's where Anthony came in to just give it some <laughs> emotional fur yeah you know what I mean? <laughs> hand gestures with that description was quite good as well yeah of, of rubbing the underbelly of the fluffy dog <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
I love reading the list of, in your mind, some of the greatest films of all time. I think it was an interview you did with the magazine a few years back where you had, we mentioned um, Apocalypse Now and Alien, Magnolia, Taxi Driver and Thin Red Line were, were some of them. And I, I just wanted, before we finish, was just to ask you about when music made an impact on you and were there films in particular that you appreciated and recognised the music and the importance of it? Okay. Let me start an idea that I might not know how to finish. <laughs> Those are the best ones. Yeah. When I was a kid, I just remember I loved music. My early tastes were bad and I had to kind of discover it. It's like I didn't have a dad with an amazing record collection or anything. I just, I, I discovered everything a little bit too late. It was all blah, blah, blah. But I loved it. I knew it. I just loved the way it made me feel. And I loved movies too, but I never never made the connection between the two until you know I started making films when I was in my mid-20s I went to film school I it's not like I'd spent my entire childhood dreaming of doing it or anything I just literally one day thought God, I should pretty I should kind of work out what to do with my life and so I went to film school but kind of had to by definition of film school start making films <laughs> and the thing that excited me about it more than anything else when I started seeing things that I had made, the thing that excited me more than anything else when image and music came together for the first time. And I, and I felt responsible for putting them together. That was exciting. And it's ever since then been arguably the, 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 the most, it's not necessarily the most thrilling part of the process, but it's the one where the movie feels complete. There's a moment somewhere in the editing where my feelings about the movie are never going to get better than this. They're only going to get worse. I'm going to, you know, the fit, the, anyway. It's the coming together of image and music that's, that's so great. And it's, it was only after that, after I started making movies, that I started appreciating the work of other people doing that. Yeah, that was a really good answer. Okay, to <laughs> cool. that you didn't know where it was going. Um, Thank you so much for your time and congratulations and um, I, I look forward to what's next as well. Thanks, oh, David. Thanks. Cheers. That was Thank fun. aforementioned Rodelius, rounding off this latest episode of Soundtracking with director David Michaud. Huge thanks to David for taking the time to talk to us. War Machine is exclusively available to watch on Netflix now with the score released via our friends at Lakeshore and Invader Records. There's a track list for the show via edithbowman.com where you can also listen to all 40 plus episodes of this podcast. 
Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We are at Soundtracking UK. And if you can, please do spread the word among your friends if you like what you hear. Next up, Alice Lowe talks about her directorial debut, Prevenge, in which she also stars. And I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then. Thank you.